This is What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this week's episode, we have Claire Eliza Bartlett, whose newest novel, The Winter Duke, is out now. And Claire is an American writer who is currently living in Copenhagen. Uh, And so one of the things I asked her, and you'll hear this, is, you know, living in Europe uh, with all its history and old buildings and and just atmosphere, how that inspires her uh, writing, especially in fantasy, because we always have these big, fantastic worlds and castles and things like that. And, you know, I got a chance uh, back in college to go to Scotland one time and to see the buildings and the castles and just the lands. Uh, It's you kind of get that inspiration, you get that feeling that it does feel uh, like a fantasy world. And for Claire, this is something that she has uh, enjoyed. You'll hear from a very young age, uh, reading about fantasy and now writing about fantasy. So it's all kind of uh, come together. And we talk about her first book, We Rule the Night, and her latest, The Winter Duke. So listen in. So, Claire, what book hooked you? The book that hooked me sort of most in my young adult life uh, was Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. I first read Good Omens, I think, by Neil Gaiman Mm -hmm. when I was a teenager, like 15, 16. And I thought it was pretty interesting, um, but I wanted to know more about Neil Gaiman in particular, because I hadn't heard his name before. And I did one of those classic stay up half the night, finishing Neverwhere on a school night. And um, it completely changed the way I saw fantasy as it was being written in the modern day. was pretty discontent with the fantasy I was seeing in the bookstores, at the library, and so on. And Neverwhere really turned fantasy on its head for me. It opened up a lot of new ideas for what fantasy could be and it helped me go out looking for all of these less classic quest and secondary world fantasies Hmm. that i think were really sort of typical in the 90s in particular and so i think you're touching on but just just to ask what was where did the discontentment from come from what about fantasy at that time were you not really connecting with or really felt uh was kind of a a weak point in the fantasy genre. It was very samey fantasy uh, for me. Like what I was, I think a lot of this has to do with uh, the bookstores that I would go to and the sections of the library that I would, that I would frequent. Um, But I would always get this very similar story, right? Whenever, whenever I looked in a book about, you know, someone who's the chosen one and has to go on their quest to rid the land of the greatest evil. Of course, the classic, one of the classic quest narratives. But I think as someone who had just, you know, finished Lord of the Rings films, and so I had my Philip Quest narrative sort of off of that. And I wanted to look for something that would give me something new. And so uh, with Neverwhere, uh, you know, many people like Neil Gaiman, Neverwhere, I don't know if uh, some people might not consider it one of his more popular works. So for those 
that maybe are familiar with Gaiman but not familiar with this book, what was it necessarily about this book uh, that was such a revelation to you? Ooh, that's a good question. I think a big part of the revelation was that it was the, well, the second Neil Gaiman book I'd ever read after Good Omens. I don't really put it in the urban fantasy Hmm. sort of genre. So I think it's a little bit genre bending. First, the setting really got me. Uh, I love, I love London. And it was my first, I'd say it's the first book I read that had like a supernatural London in the sense of having a London, London below. Of course, no Gaiman's writing is very, he has a very particular style uh, that appeals to me. So of course that helps. But I think also he does something with characters. This He does this strange blend of archetype and nuance when he writes characters. In Neverwhere in particular, I got the sort of deep-seated feeling of familiarity that comes from archetype. But I also was allowed to, or I was able to be surprised by the nuance within them. And I definitely think Neil Gaiman has had, has, has written other books that sort of establish that in more detail or, or do a better job of it even, but Neverwhere was the first. So it always holds a special place mm-hmm. for me. And it sounds like, you know, fantasy was always sort of a big draw for you when it came to reading uh, other types of storytelling movies and, and such as well. Do you kind of remember like kind of what got you started uh enjoying this genre so much that would probably be jane yolen uh my mom loves jane yolen and so we would get a lot of her like my mom would read uh you know some of her books to us and we would read some of her books on our own when we got to reading age um jane yolen of course has an enormous range you know literally hundreds of stories she's written and um therefore people of all ages as well so they're really they're really, she's really accessible in a number of ways. Definitely until I got into my late teens, I enjoyed fantasy only. Hmm. And I think it probably started with Jane Yolen, but it uh, continued with a, probably a deep desire to ignore the world around me. <laughs> <laughs> and at what point then, uh, with your love of fantasy, were you... Uh, attempting or had the idea to start exploring, creating your own stories in your own worlds? Um, so it started very early. Uh, I made my first dedicated attempt at a novel when I was 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I wrote one that had a beginning, a middle, and an end in the loosest sense of the words. Mm-hmm. At what point then did you kind of take this pastime, uh, this talent, this love of you had for writing, and really kind of focus it on trying to become published? I think getting published was always a goal of mine uh, because one of my, I don't know if you would call it a trait, uh, an advantage or a curse, but one of my traits is ambition for sure. Mm -hmm. I decided to pursue it in a very concrete way when I was 24 I had just finished my master's degree. Um, I was deeply disillusioned with academia, so I didn't want to pursue an academic career anymore. And essentially, the only things I'd ever wanted to do in my life were be academic and write. 
So my only option left <laughs> was writing after I was finished with my academics. And that was when I, I made a deal with myself that I had to get, I had to get some movement in the publishing world by the time I was 30 or else find a new thing that was going to occupy my life and be a career for me. And so kind of with that in mind, uh, how did you like work on getting connected? Did you try to reach out to like a community? Did you, you know, some people go off and get their MFAs. What some people like really kind of dip into like different forums and different things online. What did you really do to kind of uh, really chase after that? Uh, Well, definitely I did try to get involved in communities. I'm not so great at online stuff. So I wanted to make a community for myself here in Copenhagen, which has had some success, depending. Uh, I've definitely made great writer friends here. Um, And uh, I've made some great writer friends in Sweden as well, since it's not that far away. Um, One of the big things I also did was I started taking online classes. You mentioned MFA, uh, and I don't have an MFA, but I started doing kind of master's level classes that were geared towards writing very specific subgenres of science fiction and fantasy uh, and that had a lot of critique. They made me produce a lot of work and they made me really analyze what were my weaknesses, particularly in telling a story. And then once, uh, you know, once I had a, a good concept of where I was weak, I could use that as a plan of attack in writing my longer work, my novel, and sort of trying to learn more, research more, read more how-to books uh, about how to, um, like, improve myself, improve my weaknesses, and, and make a functioning story. And so your newest story, uh, The Winter Duke, comes out on March 2nd. So let's start talking about that and start by tell me what this book is about. Uh, the Winter Duke, the main character, she's the sort of middle child of uh, a royal family with lots and lots of kids. Um, they're all terrible people. So what she wants more than anything is to leave them all behind and go to the university. Uh, but right before her brother's bride show, her entire family falls ill. And so she has to, first of all, become the new Grand Duke of her country. She has to find out what happened to her family, uh, how they were made ill or cursed. She has to deal with uh, her brother's warrior bride. Uh, And of course, she has to find out who amongst her so-called political allies wants to help her, who wants to use her, and who wants to kill her. And so what got you, what was that initial maybe idea or spark uh, that got you writing The Winter Duke? Uh, so there are two things that that sort of that came together to make this sort of a workable novel for me. Uh, the first was a setting, and I had the idea for this setting for many years. The setting is uh, two places, actually. There's a city above, which sits on top of a frozen lake, and a city below, which is the kingdom under the lake. And for many years, I had the setting idea, and I knew that these two kingdoms were somehow connected to each other and I didn't have a plot for them until uh, a few years ago 
when I was finishing up my debut novel, We Rule the Night. Um, we Rule the Night is based off of some Russian history. And so I was reading up on some of my Russian history. I was reading about the Romanovs, and I came across the tale of one of the slipperiest political eels ever to walk this earth. His name is Peter Ludwig van der Palen. He was an advisor to Emperor Paul. This would have been at the end of the 1700s. And he managed to be on both sides of a coup at the same time. He was advising Emperor Paul on how to deal with his son, uh, Alexander. Uh, and at the same time, he was plotting with Alexander on how to overthrow Paul. And not only did he get away with regicide, killing his emperor, but he even managed to get away with being outed in the coup. And he escaped with his life and was uh, was banished, I think, back to Prussia. Uh, so I just loved hearing about his political machinations sure. and how this man managed to uh, to to not only not die, but how to manage major policy in a huge kingdom. That became a very loose basis for one of the characters in the novel. And it provided the foundation of the political plot that I eventually ran with. And so as a writer of fantasy, obviously, uh, a large part of the writing and the planning for these books is, is coming up uh, with the setting, with the fantastical elements of the story. And so when it comes to you approaching these stories, how much do you know about the rules of the magic or the fantastical elements or the setting uh, before you get into it versus what you allow yourself to kind of explore and find out during the writing process? I feel like I do try to have a good sense of the magical setting before I get started. Uh, that's at least been the case so far with the novels I've written. Oftentimes, I've also been able to make the setting an analog to something we have on our Earth. Mm -hmm. So that's, in a, in a way, I'm, I'm cheating and helping myself out. Whenever I have a question, I can go take a look at, you know, the, the real-life counterpart. Uh, as far as magic... I generally only have a very small idea of how it works before I get going with it. Uh, one thing I found in We Rule the Night was that my magical rules came about as I had to solve some plot problems. Um, and a lot of my world building happened out of necessity. Hmm. And the same thing happened to the Winter Duke. Uh, I knew in, in, this, in this system, magic is... Uh, a thing. It's a, it, it comes from a flower. It's a little bit like saffron. It's a little bit useless like saffron, and it's extremely expensive like saffron. And so a lot of the magic came from, from my need, essentially, to compare it to saffron. I didn't want it to be um, a world-breaking power, but I wanted it to be something that people would pay and maybe kill for. So... Um, Every time I had a question of necessity of why would people do this or why is magic important, I would sort of look at it through that vein. And you mentioned a little bit with We Roll the Night how you got inspiration from from uh, studying Russia and Russian history. I'm wondering, you know, you grew up uh, in the States and now you're living uh, in Copenhagen and get to travel around Europe because 
much of where you live now is new to you, uh, that you're able to, you know, find uh, fantastical things and get fantastical inspiration from living in and having had this overseas experience from uh, when you grew up that the magical lands you dreamed about growing up, you're now sort of living in them. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, it does. <laughs> especially since I've moved to Europe, right? Where a lot, a lot of fantasy, especially the fantasy that was prevalent. Uh, well, it's prevalent up to today and we had almost no other fantasies up until I was in my teens or early twenties even. So I can see a lot of the fantasy a lot of the fantasy lands that have inspired others. And if you take, for example, Game of Thrones off to the War of the Roses, I believe, um, in the United Kingdom, uh, you go over there and you'll see a lot of the scenery that he describes um, because he bases a lot of his... He bases a lot of his uh, of his world around England, Ireland, maybe a little bit around Scandinavia or Scotland... And it's also definitely being able to see how different places do different things and how they accommodate for uh, different geographical features. For example, I, I grew up in Colorado, which is totally landlocked, high altitude, high mountains. Um, then I come to Denmark, where <laughs> the highest point is about 400, 500 feet above sea level. Uh, where we are never more than like 50, 60 miles from water. And that has had a huge impact on what Denmark is as a nation and how even how their buildings are built. Mm-hmm. Great. And so when it comes to writing, because uh, fantasy, there's so much you're building into it, the setting. And we talked about, you know, the different magical elements. Uh, but obviously with all of that, it still needs to come down to, to characters. So when you are writing, you know, how, do you have to feel like you have to have a pretty clear understanding of who your main character and supporting characters are and what they're kind of after, even in this, you know, big world mm-hmm. of, of, endless possibilities perhaps that you have to have a good understanding of who the, the uh, person one is of the that things, you're writing about. One of the rules that I give world. myself when writing is every single thing that a character does, they have to do for a specific reason. So even if, you know, they cross their arms or they sigh or they look somewhere during a conversation, I need to know why they're doing that. I need to be enough in their head to know. And um, for example, I'm, I'm working on a novel Currently, of course, I'm writing the first draft right now. And initially, I walked away from this novel because I didn't have a strong sense of who the characters were. Um, Oftentimes for me, if I don't have a strong characterization for my primary and secondary characters to work off of, uh, then they feel very flat. And I don't know what they would do why they would do it. I feel like I can't tell a story because I don't understand any of my characters' motivations. And 
as you're writing uh, these different stories and these different worlds, are you always very careful that they're not too similar, that each book, each story that you're telling, uh, the setting and the world and the magic and the characters feel different from the other areas and I stories that you've try. explored in the past? Uh, I am um, not sure how successful I am. Um, I definitely have checked with my agent, uh, you know, on, on stories to say, mm. is this too similar? I write a lot about, uh, well, primarily about young women and oftentimes about groups of young women. So sometimes it can be hard to know if what I'm doing is a little bit samey. For me, it's easier with the worlds and world building to make it distinguished partially because I'm trying not just to distinguish myself from what I have written before, but I'm also looking at what, you know, what's being written around me and, uh, and how do I distinguish myself from the numerous uh, creative and innovative world building techniques that other authors are putting out right now. And so I often, you know, I often find myself pushed farther in terms of creating a world than in terms of creating characters. So, Claire, let's wind down here. And as we do, I'll ask you a few questions. The first one being, what is uh, your favorite movie that's based it's on a definitely book? my favorite. Uh, and if I could say the whole trilogy, I would. Excellent. But The Two Towers, if not. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. Uh, the next one, then. Are you? Is there a book or a series you're willing the to admit you've that I never read never or never finished? would definitely be um, Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, the name of the wind and the wise man's fear. I read the name of the wind and I was so irritated by it that I'll, I'll never pick up the wise man's fear. <laughs> Very good. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? By Abigail Wing Hin, I think her name is. Hmm. Uh, it's just a really gorgeously written in some way, very meaningful uh, story. It's a classic young adult growing up and maturing story. Uh, and it's really, really beautifully done. Great. Well, Claire, The Winter Duke comes out on March the 2nd. And I wish you and this book all the best. And that brings us to the end of another episode. I want to thank Claire Eliza Bartlett for joining me. Again, her newest book, The Winter Duke, is out now. So I hope you'll check that out in any way you can. Hope you also check out some of the other episodes we have with some great writers in fantasy and also many other categories. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading. <laughs>